BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Dishing with Digest. I'm Stephanie Sloan, Editorial Director, here with Mara Levinsky, Senior Editor. Hi, everyone. Well, Mara, it's another big week of story, and let's start with our new cover, which is Days of Our Lives. So for all the Eric and Nicole fans who were upset by their breakup, well... The two decide they are in love and want to be together. So they share a kiss, which Eric's girlfriend Jada spies, and uh, ultimately Jada faints, which can only mean one thing in soaps, she's pregnant. (laughs) So needless to say, it puts a bit of a damper on the reunion, and Nicole's husband, Rafe, isn't too thrilled to hear about the turn of events, so expect a lot of drama coming up in Salem. In other marital news, Bold and Beautiful's Ridge, whose signature on his annulment papers from Brooke is barely dry, will propose to Taylor, who happily accepts. I I genuinely wonder if any soap opera character has proposed marriage more than Ridge Forrester has. My goodness. (laughs) Um, Well, GH also has a hotly anticipated moment in store for its fans this coming week. For the first time since Spencer went off to Pentonville, he receives a visit from Trina. So Sprina has not been in the same room together for months uh, outside of like a little fantasy that Trina had, which I'm going to say doesn't count. Uh, And there is a lot for them to unpack when they finally do come face to face. So I got uh, to get the scoop on that from Tabian Ali, who plays Trina. And she cracked me up because she is totally in the same boat as the Sprina fans who are going crazy, waiting for these two to finally admit their feelings for one another to one another. Uh, And then on YNR, it's time for Devon to face the music for his indiscretion with Abby. Amanda gives him the heave-ho, which also marks the last time for now that we will be seeing her portrayer, Michelle Morgan, who, as we all know, has opted to go on recurring status. Uh, But to balance out that departure, the show made a huge announcement this week about the return of a fan fave that I am so excited about. Well, the big hint here is rock on. It's Michael Damien, who first began playing Danny Romilotti in 1981 and stayed till 1998. He was last seen in 2013, but will be back in Genoa City on December 22nd for a visit. Now, this news comes hot on the heels of Michael Grazia Day's return as Danny and Phyllis's son, Daniel. So I imagine father and son will cross paths again. Uh, So since leaving Genoa City, Michael has found great success as a director, writer, and producer. His next movie, Falling for Christmas, stars Lindsay Lohan, who got her start as Another World's Alley, and Cord Overstreet of Glee fame. So you can find that on Netflix now. Michael's next movie also stars Lindsay, and that's called Irish Wish. Now, when we interviewed Michael on our podcast in 2020, he told us that he was thrilled that they never killed his character off and appreciates that there is still interest in Danny. Now, that was a great chat. Anyone listening who never heard it, go back. You can find it wherever you listen to podcasts. I mean, I could not be more excited about this move. I think it'll be great to see Phyllis, Danny, and Daniel all together again. Oh my gosh, I am so excited for that. You know, my earliest memories as a YNR viewer has Danny like so central to them. And I know that's true for you as well, even though we started watching it at different times. Mm-hmm. Um, I hope we get a Danny Cricket, aka a Christine interaction as well, as long as we're making wish lists. Uh, but you know, you you can never go wrong with bringing back an iconic character like Danny Romilotti. And even if it's just for a short visit, I am not going to miss a moment of it. I think honestly that the older I get, the more I appreciate these visits from the actors who were part of why I fell in love with soaps to begin with. You know, I honestly can't believe it's been like nine years since he was last on the show. That is far too long, in my opinion. So I'm thrilled that all the necessary, you know, stars aligned to put Danny and Daniel and Phyllis all in town 
at the same time together again. Oh, me too. And if there isn't Danny Cricket, I will be so sad because that is literally what sucked me into even watching YNR in the first place. Um, so now this certainly isn't the first time I'm saying this here, but I do love this trend of bringing back people for visits. You know, for longtime viewers like we are, it's such a warm reminder, as you mentioned, of what got us hooked in the first place. And again, just feels more realistic that people come in and out of town for visits, you know, like in real life. And especially with this one being tied to the holidays, because uh, like he should come home for the holidays. Absolutely. Uh, now, someone I know we would both love to see back on Soaps again is our guest today. It's Melissa Archer, who is best known to viewers as One Life to Live's Natalie and Daisy's Serena. So let's check in with her and see what she's been up to. Hi, Melissa. Hi, Stephanie. How you doing? Oh, I'm doing so good. Thank you. It's been a long time since we've st- spoken. I know. That's why we are so excited to catch up with you today and just hear what you've been up to. But before we get to that, we're going to go back to the beginning. So you were born in Dallas, Texas. Tell us about your childhood. Um, yes, I was born in Dallas. And um, my mom and dad, they got divorced when I was roughly two and then my mom remarried when I was roughly maybe two and a half three somewhere in there and then um, my dad remarried when I was about six and um, so I had a a pretty large extended family and then my mom's parents were also divorced and remarried so I had lots of grandparents uh, on every side it was pretty cool and um, then my I didn't have any siblings until I was 13 and my stepmom and my dad had my sister on my birthday so that was a pretty cool thing I was really into dance um, I, I can't remember so I went to this weird like well I don't it was it wasn't weird it was weird to me because I was a kid and everything was weird but um, <laughs> there was this like it was kind of like a daycare center but then then like you could do kindergarten um, there was like pre-K and then kindergarten and that was it. That's all you did there. And, um, so I I did that and they had a ballet teacher there and, um, I don't think I really liked it that much that I remember I, you know, we had to wear like the tutu. We had little ballerina slippers, the whole nine yards. I started like really wanting to dance, even though I don't recall actually liking it in kindergarten. Um, so my mom kind of went out on this search trying to find like dance classes and stuff for me. Um, and somewhere in the middle of that, I also did Plano Junior University, which was like summer school, but like, like to accept, like for smart kids. And so, um, and it was really cool. Honestly, like that was probably one of my favorite things because they had science. So we did chemistry stuff and we did, um, Compute like the computers, which I mean, it seems so funny to say like computers weren't a big thing, but they really weren't back then. Um, so to have one in a school was huge, but then to like learn how to code on it and all this cool stuff as this kid and not even really know what you're doing. And there was a robot with it. It was just really cool. Um, probably also why I love computers as much as I do. And then they also had, it was like they had everything. And then they also had this like um, kind of theater-esque type thing. So you kind of did some dance and you did some theater with it. And I remember um, I had to, uh, it was like a 50 style thing. So I had to have a poodle skirt and my Nana made me a poodle skirt. And um, I remember really digging that. And so I think in my mind at that point in time was like, I already kind of knew I was going into this entertainment world, but I didn't really understand it because I was really young. <laughs> I was like eight, you know? And I had already, I think at that point, um, or somewhere in there, I started doing these like one act, one woman um, skits. Think of Tracy Ullman. And that was probably what I was like emulating because the, I loved her. So, um, but I did it like in kid form. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, and my grandparents like loved it and laughed and laughed and laughed. And so then I really thought I was pretty awesome. And uh, <laughs> and then I didn't want to do it for my mom because it was like making fun of a mom and a kid getting into fights. So I didn't want her to think it was like personal, which is also why I didn't become a comedian because I was always afraid that people would think I was actually like making fun of them. Then I didn't want to hurt their feeling, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, so uh, back to dance. <laughs> so... Somewhere in there, my mom got me in this like really weird dance class. It was, I think, modern, and uh, we did it in like like at a co- like at a community college or high school or something, but like in a room when the chairs were just like pushed up against, you know. So it was kind of it was bizarre. Um, I didn't really love it, and then one of my friends 
um, who lived on the street, her um, and her brother. So her brother was my age. And then her, she was like maybe a year or two younger. She was in dance and he was in acting. And so her mom kind of got us involved. And so I started doing dance classes and I had to do like all these private lessons so I could catch up and be like the same age as everybody else. Like, <laughs> you know, be like in that um level and then uh I did and then I got into the company and started doing all the competitions and stuff and just like obsessed with it same point in time somewhere in there around maybe like 12 ish um I started doing like plays um at Katie Studios and I the first play I did I was like that's it this is what I want to do and I divvied out the time pretty well for a while but then at some point my mom was like look you we can't like you're doing everything in dance and you're doing everything in acting and like, you're going to have to choose one or we need to pull back on both and just, you know, and I was like, I can't do that. I can't do half on anything. So I had to make a decision and I felt like with dance, as much as I loved it, I didn't think career wise, I would make it at that point. I'd already started developing. I really love ballet and ballerinas don't usually have curves. So, (laughs) um, I knew that I probably had a better option going the acting route so I went like all in and um I'm actually blessed like beyond belief my mom um if it weren't for her I probably wouldn't have anything (laughs) because she's the one who like did all the homework found places she talked to my friend's parents who knew stuff and knew where to go and got me into acting classes and um, all because I wanted to, but like she did all the, the hard work. (laughs) And, um, and then I guess it was maybe it was like, I think 19, I think it was 1994. We went out to LA for, I want to say it was like for a dance competition. And then uh, during that time, my friend that had like gotten me into all this. So we, the three of us all went to the, these agencies and, you know, did our things trying to get in. And the ba- the basic feedback that came back was we needed to lose our accents, which I was like, I didn't get an accent. <laughs> so um, I was like, okay. And so they told us to go get this. I forgot what it was called, but there was this book with the, with the, an audio tape that you had to listen to. And the guy, so it was supposed to be an all American accent, but the guy sounded like he was from New York. Not kidding. Like there was nothing all American about that, but whatevs. And not that New York's not great, but it was just like, that's an accent. Uh, anyway, <laughs> so I worked on that for a while, but it was really boring. And I really didn't think I had a heavy one. I have a tendency just to pick up on where I'm at. So I think that's part of it too. So then in 1995, the three of us and another um, few people that we knew all went out there for pilot season. And we were out there for about like four months. And that was my first like rite of passage. <laughs> and we also had to write something in school about rite of passage. So that probably helped. Um, anyway, but it was just, you know, gosh, it was, it was transformative in so many ways. Um, it was where I had my first kiss and it was, um, you know, my first, introduction into like what it's actually like to be in real auditions and you know doing doing that kind of stuff so uh you were only 17 when you landed your first proper television role on the children's series wishbone what do you remember about that experience um okay so it was it was like probably one of the i'm i'm like struggling for words right now because i was so excited and i'm like reliving that excitement um (laughs) It was the coolest thing ever. So, um, like, and I tried to really play it cool, but I also like carried my script everywhere, like at school to competitions. Like, you know what I'm saying? I was like totally like whatever. Like, I'm just you know, I'm just an actress doing my thing. Oh, also, I had a beeper because I had auditions back then, so I act beeper. The only other people who had beepers were people that sold drugs, but I did not. <laughs> so. Um, we wish from, yes. So I remember like, I think it was like first day on the set. And I, um, I, I don't know like how much people know this or not, but I'm pretty hyper. I was really, really hyper when I was younger. And I think I'm probably still that way. And, um, so when I get excited, it gets worse. Um, <laughs> so I just remember like being on set just being like, hi, like real cheesy, but like, totally meaning it um (laughs) and um and just like being really overly excited probably with the producers and stuff I mean I don't think they cared because they're probably used to kids but 
I was just really ridiculous. So then when we were on set, that was, you know, my first time being on a real set with other actors who absolutely had been doing this for a long time because you know, and then, um, you know, even just like having the difference between the director and having a cinematographer, you know, just all these different things where I was like, oh, wow, okay. And I'm just trying to take it all in. But then, of course, also like, you know, deliver my lines, not sound like a weirdo and <laughs> not look like I'm so stiff, which I'm sure I did. And, um, and it was fun. It was just so much fun. And it was a cool role, too, because um, the character actually was kind of like techie and stuff. And I was like, oh, totally fits. Um so yeah, that was pretty cool. Um, and the guys, the the two lead actors, Adam and uh, I think it was Jonathan, is that right? Something like that. Um, they were awesome. They were great, great people. And it was just, yeah, the whole thing was just an amazing experience. And I became friends with a couple of them after. So it was good. Well, after high school, you moved to California. So what brought you out there? And was it a culture shock for you? Mm. So yeah, so basically, I went I right before I graduated, I had gone for about a month um, to just kind of like fill out agencies and stuff. And um, my agent was like, you need to move here. So that I decided to graduate early, um, which I think actually started the process prior to that, like a year before that, and then um, graduated early. And then that December or January headed out. And um, it was, I I would say it was like sort of a culture shock, but, but not because I've been there a couple of times now. So I kind of had the, the vibe. Um, And I, I moved to Burbank. So it was like real simple, you know what I'm saying? It was very suburbia, even though they're still like, you know, Hollywood's right over here. But like, so in that way, I think it was, um, I feel like in some ways I was sheltered in, in that sense. And um, I went to school and I, um, I had a job and I actually transferred my job. I was working at Nordstrom in Dallas and then I transferred to LA, to one of the LA branches. And, um, and yeah, I was just, um, I mean, I was just constantly like smiling and excited. And it was one of those things too, where I didn't, and I, I, I think that's the nice part about being a teen or, you know, naive and well, not naive. I, I don't like that word. Um, just being, you know, not jaded, I guess. <laughs> um, because I knew I was going to book something. I didn't know when, but I knew it was coming and I just needed to have patience. And there were times every once in a while when someone's like, oh, you've been there how long, you know, and, and just kind of feeling like, you know, but I was like, nope, it's going to happen. It's happening. It's going to happen. And, um, yeah, so I just, I knew, I just knew it was a matter of time. And when it did, it was like, it was, it was, the timing was, couldn't have been more perfect. And are you referring to One Life to Live when you think about that or a, some, a different project? No, it was One Life. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah. you were basically a baby when you landed yeah. the role of Natalie in 2001. Yeah. So, well, so tell yeah. us your, your One Life casting story. Yeah. So that was, oh, it was really kind of cool. So um, I had gone out for the role of Jen, actually, um, maybe six months before that. And, um, and also like, I'll just like briefly add right before all of this. So like that December of the year before I had gone to my parents and was just like, I can't do full-time school, full-time job, full-time trying to have a career. I feel like I'm not putting enough into my career. And I was like, I need to, you know, f- focus on that more. And I, I want to drop out of school. And I was like in my fourth year <laughs> too. And they weren't happy about it, but, but I was like, please understand. Like, I know I'm close, but I've got to put my, I've got to put my energy there. So they agreed, I think begrudgingly, but did. And within uh, four months of that, I booked the show. So backing up, I had auditioned for Jen. Didn't get it, obviously. Um, but I think I had gotten a call back on it. So there was already like that momentum. And um, maybe it was like that January, February, something like that. I had the audition for, I can't remember the, the character's name because it literally changed three times. Um, I remember it went, it, so it started off as one character, then it went to Valerie, and then it changed eventually to Natalie. But um, I forget what the first one was. And the, the role was completely different than what Natalie is, like completely different. It was almost more Jen-like um, or like early Jen-like, like very, very sweet, very, um, uh, you know, girl next door kind of thing. And then and then when I got the um, uh, screen test, um, literally like the day I was flying out, they changed it. It was like a new character name and like the entire script was different, totally different, everything. 
Um, and then we did, that was like, that was crazy. Cause I'd never done a screen test before. However, I had been in this acting class for years. Um, and they really, it was Brian Reese's acting class and they really teach you what it's like to, to be in the business. So like all the things that we would do, it was almost like I've been practicing for so long to be that, to be on set that I felt like when I did the screen test, like I was nervous. Trust me. There's a lot of reasons to be nervous. I also woke up late, but <laughs> I, um, but I like felt in control in a weird way, even though I was super nervous, like uh, the nervousness was almost more like excitable energy of that compute. So, um, yeah, so flew out to do the screen test and then, um, uh, <laughs> worked on it, worked on it, worked on it the night before. And then come the morning of did not wake up and I get woken up to a phone call from casting I'm like, Hey, where are you? I'm like, Oh crap. You know, and I just think my whole world's destroyed at this point. I'm like, oh, I've screwed it all up. And I'm like trying to race out of the hotel. Cause we also had to bring like our bags and everything. Um, like we we're checking out too. And uh, that was back when I think it was called the Empire or something like that. It was right there near the studio. Um, so I just like raced with my suitcase there. And I was like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. And then like no one really knew that I was late except for casting. So I was like, so that worked out really well. <laughs> and um, yeah. And then I went in and I just did it. And and then I remember Frank gave me this note. He wanted me to hug um, Brian and Routh. And like have a tear coming out of my eye as I hugged him. I did it. And I remember thinking, oh, that's going to be, and then it like happened like nothing. I was like, yes. And uh, so I, I walked out feeling like I absolutely did the best I could do. So if I didn't get it, I was like, whatever. Cause I nailed it. <laughs> and, and then I got it. And the news that I, when I got the news, it was like, I don't even think I could repeat that today unless I won the lottery. Like, <laughs> <laughs> It was like, I remember my agent calling and, and I was driving, I was driving to lunch. I went to this place for lunch, like pretty much every day. And, and he was like, are you sitting down? I was like, well, I'm driving. He's like, well, you might want to pull over. And I was like, why? What's going on? And he starts to tell me, and I just can't stop the screaming, you know, like a little girl, like, ah! you know, <laughs> just so I pulled over and, um, <laughs> and I was crying and I was like like smiling and I mean I couldn't even like breathe in all of it and here's the deal like just because you got it doesn't mean you're going anywhere because you still have to accept like all the deal offer stuff or maybe we already did that part I don't remember anyway it doesn't matter so had you just... ever watched soaps before like did you even know what you were getting into yeah my mom watched one life to live since I was young I mean like she'd been watching general hospital one life to live and I think probably also all my children um and then I watched the CBS ones more because, or really just Daniel Russell's and Bold and Beautiful because my stepmom watched those. And when I was there, like in the summer, I'd watch, <clears throat> but, um, but yeah, so I totally knew who the characters were. Um, and yeah, it was, it was, and it was also like really bizarre because it was just this like surreal feeling of I'm going to be on that thing that I was watching. And because those characters like go for decades like you're still a part of something that like you kind of grew up with it's super super just like it's surreal it's really surreal and and then like going to New York was also that that was the culture shock that was like okay this is different and challenging and <laughs> um there's a, a lot of good things about it but there's a lot of things that I was just like whoa I'm not I don't even know how to handle like homeless people getting really mad at you for things um and like stepping on you stomping on your foot and get just like crazy stuff and um and just you know people in general are much more um i think abrupt at times and um to the point which is not necessarily bad but i wasn't used to it <laughs> so um so yeah there was definitely like a lot of oh wow this is different and um, and even just like the studio, right? Like the studios in LA compared to the studios in New York, 1000% different, 1000%. Like we were sharing dressing rooms because that's how small the space was. And it was like a gajillion years old, the building. And, you know, people in LA are like in these like sets that are on sound stages that are next to like all these other TV shows that are like prime time, you know, <laughs> so <laughs> very different. I have to know, um, I have to know who your dressing room roommates were. So originally my roommate was Aaron Torpy. And then, um, and then at some point, I think 
it changed to maybe Eileen. And then at some point it changed to uh, Patricia Elliott. And actually, I should say, you were kind of right. I think it was both of them. I think it was Patricia Elliott and Patricia Mortieri I was sharing with. And then eventually, um, Jessica ended up moving, Jessica Morris ended up moving into my room and then we shared. So that was, that was the most fun. (laughs) You actually played Jennifer, the role that you were right out for. Yes. And we became like pretty much besties immediately. So it was awesome. (laughs) I I absolutely love that. Um, Well, Natalie was introduced as the surprise daughter of Victoria Lord and Clint Buchanan, the surprise twin of Jessica Buchanan, who had been kidnapped at birth by Allison Perkins and raised by Roxy Balsam. So first, let's talk about your legendary on-screen parents, starting with Erica Slezak, who played Vicky. So tell us about working with her. Oh, my gosh. Okay. So, you know, like she's someone who could easily be just kind of like, I don't know, look down at you or something. You know what I mean? Like she could be that person. She's not that person. From the day, the first day I worked with her, I was embraced. Like she kind of brought me in like under her wing and and like in- super encouraging, um, complimented me when I did a good job. Like it was just stuff where I was like, oh my God, I can't even believe she's, you know, <laughs> and she's so good. So doing scenes with her was just I mean, it was easy and it was crazy because you're like, my character had to come in kind of, I mean, at first I was, you know, all sneaky, sneaky, but once I was coming out about like how, um, not so nice I was like, I had to go at it with her and it was awesome. <laughs> it was so much fun and, uh, gosh, and she's so good at it. Ugh, so fun. So fun. I'm um, probably one of the nicest people as well. Well, very sadly, your on-screen father, Jerry Verdorn passed away after a cancer battle earlier this year and you paid really beautiful tribute to him on your Instagram, but we would love to hear more about what your relationship with him was like. Absolutely. Oh, Jerry. He was, um, I don't know, I'm going to get all upset. He was a really, really, really nice guy, but just more than that, he was, he was just really happy. Like he came into work and he was just always like in this amazing mood. And there are a lot of times like being on an, any job, it's not just soaps, it's not just acting, any job you're on, like you're there, no matter how much you love it, eventually there's things that it's easy, like for people to start complaining about this or that and complaining is fine and whatever, but sometimes it can get a little bit toxic. And I'll tell you, Jerry like came in and he just always had this like other like face, like he just, he was different. He, he brought in so much positivity and he he's so easy to work with and it was funny but he just I don't know like he he just felt like like somebody who you could feel completely safe with and whether it was in your scenes or just in life and and he was just a good good person Mm -hmm. wow well then there's also Eileen Christian who played Roxy who you mentioned was also your dressing roommate Uh What stands out to you about working with her? Oh my gosh, Eileen, she's great. Um, she she had such a, a a great like take on Roxy. Like it was so rough, then had this like side of her where you're like, gosh, I can't help but like it. You know, it's just you know, and oh man, and because I remember even when I first read uh, scenes with Roxy before meeting her. Um, I, I had this image of what she would, or like this, this image of how she would be. And then Eileen comes out and does it like a thousand times better than I imagined. You know what I mean? Like, like it wasn't just this one note. There were so many things going on with that character and it wasn't, you know, and it was always like that. It was always like that. And uh, yeah, she's just incredible and, and fun. Um, she liked to have fun in scenes and um, she always had a, a really interesting take with, and there were times too, where she would, she would think of something. And I mean, in my mind, and then you'd like, and then we do it. And she's like, okay, <laughs> this is why she's pro. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. Just, yeah. She's great. So Aaron Torby was playing your twin, your on-screen twin, Jessica, when you began, but you worked the longest with her successor, Brie Williamson. So what are your like most vivid memories of Brie? Oh gosh. Oh man. I, I love that girl. Um, you know, so 
in character wise, like playing when we're playing those, uh, when we're playing our characters, um, sorry, <laughs> when we're playing, um, you know, the, well, cause she, she had her DID. So she was various characters, yes. but the relationship that Natalie had with Jessica and the relationship that I had with Brie because of that, I feel like, um, it was, it was just so cool. Cause I, I, like I said, I didn't grow up with siblings in the the realm of like us being kind of in the same age range, right? Um, so I didn't really know what that would look like, but also our characters did it. So that was kind of different, but like Brie has sister or has a sister. And so she has knows those dynamics, but I feel like it always worked so well. Um, <laughs> our personal lives, the way that kind of turned into how we were able to play it with the characters, because I could... I could relate to what Melissa would feel <laughs> in those situations. And I'm sure same for her, but um, she's such a freaking good actress and, um, and a good person. And she's really smart. Um, she's, she's very uh, wise about a lot of things. A lot of things that I actually didn't agree with probably 20 something years ago. And now today I'm like, you know what? She, she had it. Um, so, um, yeah, I, I just, I really have so much respect for her. And, um, and even now, like with the stuff that she's doing with um, her clinical work and um, it's just, you know, she's a very impressive woman, but also like just a really great um, human being. Um, I, I remember because we kind of got married around the same time. I think I got married in August. She got married in September. And um, we would talk about all the, all the stuff. And, um, you know, she was just, she was someone who listened really well. And um, she always had really good advice. I didn't always take it. Um, <laughs> probably took it less than I should have. But um, yeah, just she's, again, I mean, I, I have nothing bad to say about her. Um, yeah, she's good. Mm-hmm. Good people and yeah. amazing <laughs> acting. Yeah. Uh, well, one of the show's most infamous villains, Mitch Lawrence, was a thorn in Natalie's side mm-hmm. on and off for many years. Uh, he was played by, sadly, another late actor, Roscoe Bourne. So tell us about working with Roscoe. Oh, gosh, Roscoe. Gosh, that man. Uh, so he, uh, he, he had stuff like where you just, you did not know what was coming. And then it was just like, oh, so good. He played evil better than anyone I know. Um, and and it was fun, you know? Like, we had so many cool scenes together. Like, even just, like, the almost rape scene, you know? <laughs> like, oh, my gosh. And then the him kidnapping me and dyeing my hair to, like, kill me off to my grandfather. <laughs> just so many. The storylines were hilarious. But, like, also, he just did so good. And I think one of my favorite scenes with him there were so many, but I think my favorite was, I, I believe we were in like a church or an abandoned church or something. And, uh, he had me kidnapped. I was tied up and stuff. And then I think John and some other people showed up, but I eventually, I think if I remember correctly, of course, sometimes I make up stuff, but I think I shot him. And I think that might've actually been the, the last time yeah. he was there, but you know, he, that man, what did he, he died? Like fake died like 16, 17 times, I think, you know, okay. Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the Metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly... Patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Typical, typical on a day's work right i mean hello um yeah just so cool in 2003 you won the soap opera digest award for outstanding newcomer what do you remember about your big win and where's your award today <laughs> so um that was a really interesting um time so i think that actually might have been Maybe that might've been my first award show. If it wasn't, then I had done the Emmys the year before, but I feel like it didn't do the first year of Emmys for some reason. I have social anxiety. So I tried to like avoid stuff all the time. And, (laughs) um, 
Uh, so anywho, I had been told it was like a little more, you know, hip. Silver producers were like, you know, a little more hip. It wasn't like Emmy style or whatever. And so um, uh, I think I had somebody had said they were going to get me hooked up with some clothes, but then like the clothes that, that they got just, it really didn't work right with me. Um, and so I really didn't have any time to like find something. And we were staying at this hotel um, right where like the, the, I think it's not, I don't even know if it's called that anymore, but I think it's the Kodak theater now, maybe, maybe um, I think it was the Renaissance hotel back then. So anyway, there's like a mall in there, but it's like a sort of mall, not very many stores. And, um, I, there was like one store that I could go and try to find some clothes in, and I literally could not find anything. So I was like, okay, I'm going to try to go. Like, I think I was thinking like Avril Lavigne-ish in my mind. Uh-huh. I don't know that that's really how it came off, but it was like a button up shirt and a black skirt or something. And so it kind of looks a little like school teachery, but that's not what I was going for. I it's just, I'm not fast. I don't know. I did what I did. However, what was cool, because I think I also, I think I won, but I think I also um, presented because I remember getting to go and get, um, I got a scooter that year. It was like super exciting. <laughs> so that was really cool. Um, and winning, winning was like amazing. I was, um, I like, I'm that person who really likes to try to include everybody, but also not be the annoying person who's like literally naming off every single person that they've ever met and seen in their life. And, um, and I had, I think I had, you know, I had prepped something just in case, because I'm really, really horrible at speaking off the cuff. I, I forget things very easily. And, um, especially if I'm nervous, oh my gosh, forget it. And, um, so I had written it out and I was actually kind of surprised that I was going to be using it. Right. And one of the things I had done was trying to kind of encapsulate everyone, like all the producers, because here was the weird thing, right? So Brian Franz had been the head of daytime. Or no, I'm sorry. Yes. Brian Franz had been the head of... No, no, no. I'm wrong. Uh, who is our... We had an executive producer before Frank, and his name was God, Gary Tomlin. Gary Tomlin. Tomlin. Mm-hmm. Woo, got it. And um, so like... a. Basically, what happened was, I think uh, Angela, I want to say her name was Angela somebody, was in, she was head of daytime. Then she was gone. Brian Franz came, and uh, Gary Tomlin was then gone. <laughs> and then Frank was our supervising producer, became like an interim uh, executive producer, but he wasn't the actual executive producer yet until later. Um, so anyway, the reason it was weird is because part of my speech was to be like, I want to thank so-and-so for the opportunity, da, 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 whatever, right? But like, I didn't know who I was supposed to thank because <laughs> it wasn't this person who hired me. It was this person who hired me and they're not there anymore. But then I don't want to like, you know, not, you know what I'm saying? So I tried to do this thing where I was like keeping everyone, you know, like almost like um, a little too generic maybe. <laughs> and so then later, I think I might've hurt some feelings because I didn't um, call out. And so and it was like, Ugh whatever it was still great and I was so excited that I won something um and I got a scooter so that was amazing too. Yeah, that's good <laughs> um well besides the scooter that same year Natalie's life took a big turn when she met one Mr. John McBain played by Michael Easton kicking off the very popular Jolie pairing so tell us about working with Michael oh my gosh I love Michael um it was it was so fun like I wrote okay so first first year I feel like something happened maybe it was second year I don't know somewhere in there there was like something that happened because we had we had had this really cool dynamic on and off screen so it was just we had I felt like we had a lot of fun um my character could be a little petulant sometimes and his character and, and person was a little bit older so I think there were times where it could feel a little um uh, I don't know. Um, I don't know the right word for that, but it, there were times where I felt like he, he, as an actor was annoyed with, <laughs> with our characters. Um, and I didn't blame him because I kind of felt that way too. But one day something happened and I don't remember what it was. I honestly don't, but I think I said something and I didn't, um, I didn't mean it the way it, it came. Like, I think he overheard it or someone else told him, I don't remember exactly how it was. Anyway, I think he was like really upset after that. And like our dynamic changed dramatically forever. And I was like, what happened? Had no idea. So finally one day I was just, I had had it. 
And I went up to him and I was like, all right, we need to work this out. <laughs> I was like, what is going on? Why are you mad at me? And he's like, I'm not mad at you. And, <laughs> and then I'm like, whoa, whoa, wait. And so I don't remember the whole, whole, whole situation, but I finally, I got out like, I don't know, you're acting da, 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 da. And so he said whatever it was that he had heard. And I was like, what? No, that wasn't for you. That wasn't about you. Like, no. Oh my gosh. Like not even. So we got it all straightened out. And then like everything was amazing after that. And I'm so glad that like I did eventually say something because that would have super sucked to like have that trust because we, I think, had a very good partnership um, because that's what he felt like. He felt like um, like if we were cops or detectives and he was my partner, you know, mm-hmm. um, and it was cool, too, because like he, so he he had this thing that he would do um and he would do it sometimes before scenes, but then he would also throw it into scenes where he would like, like you look pretty. I'm, I'll melt like really easy. Like it doesn't take a lot. Like, oh, compliment. Thanks. And, um, <laughs> and he sounds very sincere when he says it too. So it works really well. And sometimes I needed to hear that because, you know, I'm a girl and go through things. So, um, yeah. So like he would say that right before scene and all of a sudden I was just like, oh, okay, okay. We got this. So good. And then he would say sometimes like in the scene, completely like out of nowhere and so then like of course I would react but like Natalie's reacting it was great oh so fun and um and then we would do things like so I like to be silly sometimes during blocking because um or rehearsal because um because soaps are so serious and also like if you take any of the, the scenes and the words and stuff um and you just say them a little bit differently it's a comedy it's 100% <laughs> And so I like to do that sometimes because I think it's fun and also helps like release some of that, like I have to be serious all the time energy and, um, and then it helps me be better, like in the actual scene. So the other thing I like to do is, um, make really weird. I just like come up with accents out of nowhere and that's what started happening. I started like doing our scenes, like in this Catherine Hepburn <laughs> voice. <laughs> And, and he liked it so then he was like joining in and doing like weird voices so we would start doing I mean all just in rehearsal but like doing all these voices for these characters and it was so fun um and it was great because I think you know you need stuff to break up tension and you know soaps are really heavy sometimes like really heavy um so that was fun uh yeah but he was just he was a, a great person great person to work with um, really talented and, um, very, very giving. Um, and yeah, just, I don't know. I loved it. I loved working with him. Well, at one point, the Natalie John Evangeline triangle was one of the hottest tickets in daytime television. I think also won a soap opera digest award. Um, so your romantic, yeah, yeah, your romantic rival in that plot was Ms. Renee Elise Goldsberry. Uh, who, you know, went on to win a Tony and some other kind of cool achievements. But what oh, do you yeah. remember about working with her? Oh my gosh, that girl is, she's a class act. She's, uh, she just came in and she has this ease about her. Um, if you know her, if you've met her in person, just like even the way she delivered her lines and, and you see like how she did on, on screen, it's like how she is in person, just with ease and everything. And she's very smart as well. But just anything she said, you know, it just, it, it felt like it didn't, it felt like it was effortless. And, uh, I loved that. I loved that. And I loved her energy and she just, she was happy and she was, um, she was another very, very positive, um, person to work with. And that's, that was, it was just, it was, a not that it was rare, but it was just, it was rare when you had someone that positive, you know, Mm -hmm. um, who just really had, um, she had a lot of qualities that, um, that I admire. I admire them today. And then I, I mean, I really admired them then. I looked up to her a lot and, um, and then she, her voice, oh my gosh, she's the most beautiful singing voice. Um, yeah. Anyway, um, I, I loved her and I loved, I loved her family. Um, she just, she was a, she is not was, she is a very good person. I haven't, I haven't seen her or spoken to her in ages, but, um, gosh, yeah. Yeah. She, and she was really, um, fun to work with. And the thing is like with those triangles, especially like, I felt like Jolie triangle, I mean, Jolie, uh, or John Natalie Evangeline triangle, um, 
that got um they get really passionate the fans (laughs) like really passionate and sometimes not so nice and and it can be hard you know if you take things personally and what have you and I never felt like um either of us took anything personally like we just we made it more like it was just more fun for us (laughs) you know like we just we just had a good time with it and that was really all that mattered and it was nice to have that um you know relationship and we played well I think off of each other so Natalie and John did finally get back together just as One Life was concluding its ABC run early in 2012. So tell us what it was like for you to get the news about the show's cancellation. Oh, yeah, that was a weird day. So I knew something was going to happen because I think there had been some rumor and, you know, and then we had this like big meeting coming. And um, and the thing was, is I actually really thought all my children would probably go um, and not us because I think our either our money was better in that sense like we were our budget was better or 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 we our ratings were better or something I can't remember at the time so I wasn't worried I was like ah we're gonna be fine you know and um and then the big meeting happened and the meeting was with the both with both shows and it was like on um not zoom because they didn't have that then but you know on satellite I believe satellite yes thank you and uh it was so weird Cause I, I wasn't really expecting it because I definitely, I really didn't think they would cancel both at the same time at all. I was like, wait, what? <laughs> that means it's time to move. It's time to move. I probably wouldn't have done this on my own. <laughs> okay, great. Let's move. <laughs> you know? Um, so in some ways I was like, all right, all right, we're good. But I'll tell you, I couldn't not become emotional because every single person around me was just like so full of emotion. I remember like we walked out of that room and we're, on the studio floor and it's just like a lot of people kind of walking around like I mean just like zombified you know and then just hysterical people and I couldn't like all of I just oh all of a sudden I just I don't even know where it came from I just literally started crying (laughs) couldn't stop and it wasn't even me being sad about the show being but it was me being sad for like everyone like the whole thing it just felt wrong and it didn't it just felt painful I don't know how to explain it yeah and yeah and that was, I mean, that was, that was how that went. <laughs> well, in 2013, you participated in the short-lived internet reboot of One Life, where you were paired uh, romantically with Josh Kelly, who's now GH's Cody, who played Cutter on One Life. So tell us about your uh, experience working on the reboot. And, you know, there were a lot of One Life to Live faves who took part in mm-hmm. that. Stephanie and I were both fans. Or- yes. Yeah. I, yeah, I really, I am, I enjoyed the, the Prospect Park one, um, or Hulu one, um, for, for as long as it lasted. Um, there were things, so what I loved about it was that it, it had an edge to it. I know that some people really didn't like the curse words and stuff in it. And I get that. Um, I kind of personally liked, cause I like cursing, <laughs> um, give me a cuss word and I'm happy. No. Um, but at the same point in time, I could understand why like people going from here to here or like, wait, wait, that's not my show, you know? So I can understand that part, but like the rest of it, I, I still loved, like, I loved how they just, um, they brought some just, it was just edgy. It was just edgy. Um, and I, so I did dig that. What I, what I felt we were making mistakes on was we were spending a lot of money. Um, in fact, it felt like it was probably a lot. I mean, I wasn't dealing with the budget, but, um, but like just seeing how, how lavish certain things were, you know, like even just having catering, you know, (laughs) like we didn't have that before. And, and while it was nice, uh, there were things I was like, gosh, I don't know, like, how, how are we doing this? And not, and also like, we're going into this platform where people binge watch and how are we going to keep up with that? Now you've got two shows. Um, and that's a lot of, it's a soap, right? So if you're going to binge watch, like people binge watch all the time, people probably binge watch the soaps when they were recording them on, you know, the VCRs or the DVRs. But, but at the same point in time, when you go to another platform where the expectation is like, I'm just going to watch 10 shows and be done. Um, people want to see like a week to week arc, not a day to day. Um, so if I'm going to binge watch five shows, I want to see a whole, like half a season, <laughs> not 
a week. And I feel like that's where we made the mistake is that once we went to that platform, we shouldn't have been an everyday thing anymore. I feel like we should have gone into an, a seasonal thing. And I, I do think they were going to try to go that direction by the time we got canceled um, slash they went bankrupt. Um, but I, but they were a little too late to that, that conclusion. So unfortunately, but I did, I did like, I did like what they, I, I liked a lot of what they were trying to do. I just feel like execution could have been better. Now, the following year in 2014, you joined the cast of Days of Our Lives as Serena Mason. So how did that come about? Um, that was pretty cool. Uh, so I can't even remember like where out of the blue, I think um, we heard from them and I think it just kind of happened. Um, and I didn't really know anything about this character, like anything um, other than I was going to be working with Eric, uh, the character Eric, but I didn't know like any of her background I didn't I, I don't even think I knew I might have known something about the Africa stuff but like nothing to what it ended up being <laughs> like I had no idea about the blood diamonds like nothing um and uh but I knew I was gonna be working with Greg Vaughn and that was exciting um he's also from Texas and um and I was excited to to go and like you know meet all these people from these other shows because I really didn't you know it was hard like when we were in New York we didn't really see a lot of the LA people except for an award show so it was fun to to get to know a whole other cast and um and they were great people um and the, like everybody were there the crew everyone was really great anyway um story-wise like totally totally caught me uh I mean I knew something was up when I was carrying around the elephant statue for a really long time and I finally had this like feeling, you know, something was up. Was like, oh. So I finally like I went to one of the producers and was like, hey, what's the what's the sitch on uh on like what what's with the with the elephant? And she told me that um that we that I had done some stuff with blood diamonds and I was like, oh. And I remember thinking to myself, all right, this is not a long-term gig. This is gonna be a short-term gig. <laughs> because I knew like you don't come back from that. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, unless they go, oops, that wasn't you. Um, <laughs> you're, you're going to end up being villain. So, um, yeah, so it was, a uh, it, it, so then I just was like, all right, just play, have fun. And that's what I did. And I enjoyed it. I remember you always in interviews with our magazine, having a good attitude about the storyline and then ultimately about your exit. And, um, yeah. and I remember really respecting that. And clearly you, you know, you were, uh, you learned a little bit about the soap house, you know, yeah. the soap biz goes. Um, right. So do you, you know, think about returning to soap operas ever? Like, is it something that you would be open to? Um, I can't say that I wouldn't be open to it. Um, after my divorce, I went through this kind of crazy healing journey and spiritual journey. And, um, I, I, I would say I took a break from, from acting, but I mean, I still acted. I did a couple of things. I didn't, I didn't completely just leave the business, but I just wasn't actively pursuing. So, um, I wasn't trying very hard. Let's put it that way. Um, if I was offered something or I was brought into something that I, I would do it, um, if I was interested in the part, but, um, otherwise I wasn't making a lot of efforts. Um, I think one of the big things was I needed to heal inside, outside, all sorts of things. And, um, and yeah, I mean, I think it was only maybe this past year where I was like, you know, kind of misacting. I think I want to, you know, get a little bit back into it. And, um, and when I say a little bit, I mean, I, I want to a lot, but I, um, but I still have been kind of doing my, my, my journey. So I'm not quite to like, I'm ready to go get new headshots, you know? <laughs> um, but at the same point in time, like I, I would still work and I, I do still work occasionally. Um, I do like writing a lot. So um, that has been something that I've turned to. Jessica and I have done a few things together. I haven't gotten anywhere with anything that I've written on my own um, recently, but I've also been very um, active in doing all these other things that I just kind of, I get like sidetracked, but um, but I'm excited to kind of follow that a little bit as well. Um, and I, I honestly, like I'm really interested in directing. And so I've been trying to learn as much as I can about that because that's something, um, it was something when I was younger, I was really interested in. And even all on the show, I used to, you can ask anybody there, I used to go to the control room like all the time, <laughs> just cause I was like, I want to understand, I want to learn. Um, so I feel like it's something 
I, I feel like I'd actually, if I, if I, if I got enough education on it, I feel like I would probably be good at it. So, um, it'd be fun to try for sure. And, um, yeah. So to answer your question in a very broad way, um, yeah, no, I would totally go back to soaps, uh, if it was something that felt right at the time. Well, you do have a new project that just came out, Saved by Grace, a five-part inspirational series streaming on Pure Flix. That is P-U-R-E-F-L-I-X.com for anyone listening and wants to check it out. So tell us how you got involved in Saved by Grace. Oh my gosh. So this was cool. Um, so this guy, so, okay, I'm going to give you like a sort of long story about this, but it's a fun story. All right. So um, Here to There, which is this... Um, it's a show that uh, these two guys wrote for the full like 13 episodes of it. And it's a very funny show. Um, uh, I, I read all the scripts. I love, I love, love, love. Right. So they got involved with me or, or, or got to me because um, one of their producers that they had actually like reached out to me on Facebook to talk to me about the project. And I normally would never even like respond, but she said something and it was about Lucy, Lucy Ball. And it just like caught like one of those things, you know, like your intuition where you're just like, nope, I need to follow up on this. So I did. So I ended up having this meeting with them. And like, that's when I get introduced to the script. And I was like, oh my God, this is great. And they've, you know, just been working on trying to get it like picked up. And it's a really good, funny show. And it's, um, it's kind of, it's basically like cheers on a ferry boat. <laughs> so um, anyway, the point of that story is that um, this guy, Randy, who um, he ended up doing one of the, we did like a, a reading type thing and he he played um one of the characters on there for one of the things that we did so he and i became friends well fast forward he had moved to back to like he lived in la at the time he moved back to oklahoma maybe like a few years ago or something um and he has the production company there and he's been doing all the stuff right um back last year uh, last November, um, I was doing a movie that never ended up happening. Um, but there was a point in time where we needed some production people and we had moved to Oklahoma. And so I was like, Oh, I know this guy. He'd totally be great. Anyway, didn't work out because the show, the movie ended up getting canceled, whatever. So done. But Randy, um, I like had reached out to him cause I heard kind of through the grapevine that like, he might be still trying to do something with it. And I was, I wanted to kind of let him know about the stuff that was going on. And so I called him up and I was like, Hey, just want to make sure you know. And he's like, Oh, cool. No, I didn't know. Thanks. And I was like, by the way, did I tell you I moved back to Texas? And he's like, no. And he's like, Oh, uh, you know, ah, this is so great. Literally five days later, I get a call from, um, casting from Saved by Grace Turns out Randy is friends with the director and had recommended me for this part. And so then uh, casting called and like we got we got it all worked out and I went up to Arkansas and shot it and it was a blast. It was probably the most fun I'd had, ugh, gosh, I mean, in ages filming. So I, I it was it was awesome. <laughs> it was so awesome. Fabulous. Tell us about yeah. who you play in the series. Um, so I play this girl so she uh, she's divorced um and she owns a bookstore and she ends up meeting um i don't want to give everything away but, <laughs> but she ends up meeting this guy um who you know turns out to own the um the the buildings i guess and her rent had been you know going up so it was like classic story and anyway they end up um she doesn't know this about him and he doesn't i don't think he they don't know that at the beginning and they end up going on a couple of dates and, and they find out and so there's this very um you know uh we're not gonna i don't like you anymore kind of thing to making up and having this like really amazing um you know i guess reconciliation even though it's like they're still in the beginning stages, <laughs> but, um, the angels, they are th basically the reason why we're, why we're able to do it. Cause they kind of talk to us differently, um, throughout to, um, like, the, uh, to, to help us work through the problems that we have and our triggers and why like that happened and how we could kind of work through it. So it was really cool. It's a very sweet and, um, the cast was so fun and yeah, just everything about it was really great. And it, it was, uh, I think it was like January Jan when we were up there filming and it, we ended up getting this like crazy snowstorm and ice and oh, it was fun. <laughs> That's great. Uh, so Matt Borlangi, who played Brian on All My Children, is also in Saved by Grace. Did you get to work with him? No, no, we didn't. Um, I don't know what episode it was. There's um, 
there was a couple of people that I, I, um, saw were in it after the fact. And I was like, Oh my gosh, this is so cool. Melissa, I have to say, it's like truly wild to think that it was over 20 years ago that you made your daytime debut. Uh, like looking back now, I, how would you say that landing on one life when you did change the course of your life? Oh gosh. Well, it, I mean, it changed everything. Um, I feel like I had to grow up really quickly, but like I got to do it in the most fun way possible. And, um, and I went through some really amazing experiences doing that. Um, and, and I think in some ways I'm like so glad not some ways, always. I'm so glad <laughs> I booked so early on um, because I feel like I feel like I appreciate all of that so much more now. Even though I'm, there were probably times back then that I was, you know, not as. Um, even though I was always always excited about having it, I'm sure there were definitely times that I I uh, didn't have as much mm, appreciation. I guess that's probably the best word. But today I can look back and I'm just like, wow, what a, a life. I got to live and see the things I got to see, the things I got to do and the things I get to do now because of that, even though some of them may not even have that much to do with each other. (laughs) That makes sense. Yeah, it does. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, it's, it's been a great, great thing. I'm so grateful for it. And before we let you go, is there anything you would like to say directly to your fans? Yeah, absolutely. Um, gosh, uh, you guys are incredible. Um, to, to, to be there and be as, um, excited and, and passionate as you were about Natalie back during the show to then follow me outside of that and want to know what I'm doing today is it's just incredible. Um, y'all are like serious supporters and just, it's always meant so much to me. And I know it does to, to all the other cast members too, that, um, you guys just have been, um, voracious for us <laughs> you know and um and that I mean and it helps because there are times where it can be a little hard to be an actor again you know um when you're used to working all the time all the time it, it changes and so yeah just super grateful to have you there and supporting and watching the things that I do and um cheering me on it, it makes it worth it well, I know Mara and I hope to see you back on daytime soon. And we really appreciate all your time today and just the stories you shared and um, look forward to checking out Saved by Grace. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you to Melissa Archer for being our guest. If you like this podcast, please subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Be sure to pick up a new issue on sale now and come back next week for another podcast. Another podcast.